Welcome to Wednesday's programme. How are you this Wednesday, the 22nd of December? I'm good myself, to be honest. I'm looking forward to this show. Right, said Fred, are on the programme this evening. Can't wait to chat with the Freds. Legends. Before that, the Nashville singing sensation Blind Joe will return to the programme. It's going to be fun, lots to talk about, lots to tell you. You can reach me, of course, through my website, richieallen.co.uk. It is Come and Live. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, Blind Joe and Right Said Fred on the program this Wednesday. It's the last, I suppose, proper Richie Allen Show of 2021. I'm with you tomorrow, but you will be chatting with me tomorrow and it'll be a more festive feel There will be a more festive feel to the festivities, to the programme tomorrow. Anyway, yeah, let's do that because a few things have have happened in the afternoon, this afternoon. The BBC and other bureaus in the UK are reporting the daily COVID cases in the UK have gone past 100,000 for the first time. Now, yesterday... They reported 106,122 cases, which beats the record set on December 17th. This is Omicron, we're told. It's Omicron. The UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson said no new restrictions will be introduced in England before Christmas. That's what he said. And we, we suspect, you and I, that he has a raft of restrictions ready to be unveiled on Boxing Day the 26th. But maybe, maybe the exceeding 100,000 cases news might prompt him to do something tomorrow. I don't know. What I do know is that the Welsh First Minister, Mark Drakeford, and uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the Scottish First Minister, they've gone further and harder than Johnson. will talk a little bit about that in a moment. So that's the breaking story, to use the old MSM jargon. It's breaking. But there's a bigger story this afternoon. It's very sad. It's depressing. I honestly don't know how to present this news to you. Other than to say, we knew it was coming, so maybe, maybe don't despair, we knew. The government advisers, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, and the Medicines and Healthcare Regulatory Agency have decided that vulnerable primary school children should be offered a low-dose COVID vaccine. Some older children should also be offered a booster in response to the Omicron variant, they said today. So a low-dose version of a COVID vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds has just been approved for use in the UK by the MHRA. This is dreadful. Like I said, I don't know how to present it. I don't know what to say about it. Other than, we knew this was coming. This is shocking. It's disgusting. It's anti-medicine. It is unethical. It is unimaginably evil to be 
giving a toxic dose of medicine to children that you know is causing great, great harm around the world. And even if it wasn't, children are almost invulnerable to this mild respiratory illness. But it's going to happen. For the moment, only vulnerable children. They haven't defined it. They haven't yet defined it. It might be children with comorbidities. But it also might be children they would like to dose because maybe the child is living with somebody who is immunocompromised. There's also that tyranny. Let's inject a five-year-old. Why? Well, because his father or mother happens to be ill. His father or mother cannot take the jab themselves. We don't want the child giving the disease, which it isn't, to their parents. So let's, let's, let's vax him or her. So a child might be vulnerable if they live with an immunocompromised person. What do you think of that? Let me know, richieallen.co.uk, that's my website menu bar, comment live. While this is going on, European countries, through European leaders, statements, are putting restrictions back at the speed of light around Europe, blaming the Omicron variant, which isn't doing anything. I doubt it even exists, to be honest, but I can't prove that. It isn't doing anything. The people who discovered it said it's just basically a cold. That is what they said, a cold. But yet European leaders rushing to reinstate COVID restrictions, Germany and Portugal leading the way. All of this to begin after Christmas, social distancing measures, closing nightclubs, curfews, all of that. Blaming the Omicron variant. Spain has reported today that it is it is seeing record numbers of daily cases since the start of the so-called pandemic. The French are saying the same thing. The health minister in France is Olivier Véran. And Olivier Véran said, he said, the increase in daily infections in the country uh, would be driven by the Omicron variant. It's going to be dominant. We've got to do something about it. And we would expect media silence because that's been the way of it for 18 to 20 months. But the people show very little sign of resisting it, apart from thousands of people going to town centres at weekends, which is, which is OK, it's a positive thing, but it's a fraction. It's a fragment of the populations of the countries and fragments of the population of Europe. The World Health Organization, uh, the top man, the European top man for the WHO, is Hans Kluge. And he said today another storm was coming. Those were his words. And that governments need to brace for a significant increase in cases. Cases, 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 cases. But not illnesses. They're getting away with this. This constant talking up of cases. Cases are healthy people. Lunatics. Fools. Who don't even so much as have a bit of a mild fever. But they have been conned into taking daily tests. Nothing wrong with them. They're, they're tested. And the test comes back positive. There's nothing wrong with them. And they pile those uh, results, those positive tests, into the case, into the case numbers. Oh, sure, there, there are thousands of cases, but there are not thousands of people ill at the moment. There are not. It's a fact. That's not conjecture. Uh, Brigitte Macron 
is rather thin-skinned, isn't she? Rather thin-skinned, the wife of the French president, Emmanuel Macron. She's the French first lady. Um, she wants to press charges against a right-wing group or a right-wing journal for claiming that she was born male, amazingly. She's a bit thin-skinned, isn't she? It's a rumour published in a, in a journal in September claiming that she's a transgender woman who was born under the name Jean-Michel Trogno, or Tronio, but I think it's Trogno, T-R-O-G-N-E-U-X. Yeah, echoes of Joan Rivers there. Michelle Obama is a tranny, said Joan Rivers once, and then she died, strangely enough. <laughs> yes, her lawyer is somebody called Jean Enochi, and he said she's going after the instigator's for libel. They fear, do the Macrons, that the theory, outlandish though it might be, might impact the, Fra the, the French presidential uh, election, which is imminent early next year, of course, isn't it? Macron is going against some hard right guys who are very anti-lockdown, very anti-vaccine mandates. I'd love to be the lawyer defending the right-wing journal. I'd love to be the lawyer. <laughs> Just to turn it into a circus. I demand that Mrs. Macron removes her trousers. I demand before the court and all of the rest of it. Would you like to hear a little bit of tyranny, would you? A little bit of tyranny. This is really interesting. It isn't anything we haven't heard before. Well, it is. It is, maybe. Maybe it's a step beyond what we maybe have heard before. This is Welsh First Minister Mark Drakeford. Here he is today, speaking from Cardiff, updating for Welsh citizens, Welsh citizens, on new measures that will come into force after Christmas on St Stephen's Day or Boxing Day. Now, you will remember that only a few days ago, the Welsh government, the Welsh Assembly, Drakeford, said that after Christmas, from Boxing Day, nightclubs must close. No more nightclubs. Tyranny, right? But, hey, no resistance. So, here he is today with new measures, all because Omicron is raging, apparently, across the world. Here's Drakeford. By the end of last week, we had already decided that we would be introducing new measures for retail and for workplaces when they reopen after Christmas. On Tuesday we decided that sporting fixtures will have to move behind closed doors for the time being. And today, I can set out further measures we are taking to protect people's health and to help businesses continue to trade after Christmas is over. We are introducing a new Alert Level 2 for hospitality businesses, cinemas, theatres and public gatherings measures that have now been tailored to the new Omicron variant. Now, the Omicron variant is nothing. It, there is no evidence that this variant even exists, number one, because they are using tests that have not been adapted to detect the specific nuances of the Omicron variant. So there's no evidence it exists, and there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that it is leading to a rise in hospitalizations or that anyone is dying. Yet this guy says, 
They've got to bring in even stronger measures now, even stronger than forcing sports back behind closed doors and closing nightclubs. Let's hear more of them. All alert level two measures, including retail and workplaces and the closure of nightclubs, will come into force from 6am on Boxing Day. The new measures will mean a general requirement of a two-metre social distancing in all premises open to the public and in workplaces subject to that test of reasonable measures. The rule of six will apply to gatherings in regulated premises such as hospitality, cinemas and theatres. All licensed premises will need to take additional measures to protect customers and staff, including table service and collecting contact details. He's putting the final nails in the coffin of Wales or, or Welsh hospitality businesses, or I should say the Welsh hospitality industry. He's finishing it off now. This is fatal, what he's announcing for hospitality, which, like anywhere else, is worth billions to the Welsh economy. And it's an industry which I don't know the exact figure for Wales, but it will employ hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Listen to the tyranny. It's quite extraordinary. Face coverings will be required in hospitality settings at all times apart from when seated. Large events will not be able to go ahead indoors or outdoors. Indoors or outdoors, no large events. They're not going ahead. If you had some planned, cancel them. Think of the musicians. Think of everything around hospitality. It isn't, of course, just the owners of the venues. It isn't just the bar staff. It isn't just the waiting staff. It's not just the security staff and the cleaners and the suppliers. It's musicians. It's comedians, comedians, musicians. Screwed, really. The maximum number of people who can gather at an indoor event will be set at 30. 30. And 50 people will be able to meet outdoors. There will be an exception for team sports, where up to 50 spectators will be able to gather in addition to those taking part. And there will be an exception, as previously, for events involving children. This gets worse as it goes along. For important life events, such as weddings, civil partnerships, funerals and wakes, the number who can attend will be determined by the ability of the venue to manage social distancing and other reasonable measures. Wow. And all guests attending a wedding breakfast or a funeral wake will need to take a lateral flow test before attending. Before attending. The best day of your life if you get married, you've got to insist on social distancing, you've got to provide some sort of a plan with the venue to prove to the local authority that people will be safe. As I said, you've got to distance people at it and you've got to insist that your guests provide a negative lateral flow test before they can come and see you get married. And the flip side of that, you're at the lowest point in your life. Somebody who means the world to you has passed on, has died. You need support at this time more than any other time. No, you concern yourself with distancing people, with planning it out with the funeral home, 
with getting the people coming to the funeral to take lateral flow tests. Like I said, this gets worse as it goes on. Now, the Cabinet has thought hard about how we deal with people mixing in each other's homes. What? The Cabinet has thought hard? Thought hard about how we deal with people mixing in each other's homes and in private gardens. And? And we have decided not to make new legal rules. Actually, he says we've decided not to interfere there. But he's lying. He comes back to it in a minute. To cover that sort of mixing. We will issue updated and strengthened guidance to help people keep safe. We're doing this because we are in a different position this year to the position we faced the last time we saw coronavirus rise in this way. Wow. He went on to say, did this guy Drakeford, he went on to say that there, there would be uh, a legal requirement. There will be, it will be legislated for. I've lost the clip for some bloody reason. I wanted to play it for you. But he goes on to say, I might be able to get it back later on. He goes on to say that, in fact, I do have it. Here we go. Here we go. There you are. Thanks again to, to my team of producers. Listen to what he goes on to say. Omicron thrives on human contact. Thrives on human contact. Every contact we have is an opportunity for us to spread or catch the virus. And the home where we are surrounded by family is where we are at our most vulnerable to... What a liar. ...to infection. To stay safe in our own homes, we are advising that everybody follows five simple measures. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this nonsense? First of all, limit the number of people visiting your home. Secondly, if you are visiting or if people are visiting you, take a lateral flow test before that takes place. Remember that meeting outdoors is safer than indoors. And if you have to meet indoors, do everything you can to make sure that it is well ventilated. If you are seeing family and friends, then space out those visits. Don't see everybody all at once and at the same time. And finally, don't forget all those basic things that we've learnt to do together. Social distancing, respect for others, washing our hands, and so on. Wait for it. That's dreadful, right? You can't imagine why they're not outside his door in tens of thousands of numbers, not to harm a hair on his head, but to drive him down to Fishguard and to put him on a rubber dinghy and float him out into the middle of the Irish Sea. This fucking scumbag, right? Right? No, they're not. No, no. People are going along with this. Listen to what he concludes with. All of that will be guidance, strong guidance, that people in Wales can draw on. But? But we will reinstate a specific offence in regulations for large gatherings in private homes. Wow. This is because Omicron thrives in large gatherings and in enclosed spaces. So he contradicted what he said earlier on, didn't he? When he said, we thought long and hard or something along those lines. What did he say again? What did he say? Now, the Cabinet has thought hard about 
how we deal with people mixing in each other's homes and in private gardens. Yeah, and he went on to say... And we have decided not to make new legal rules. And then he went on to contradict himself and say that they'll be making legal rules. I suspect I, I might very well be wrong. It has happened many a time that I have been wrong that the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson will make a similar announcement. Probably... Probably not on Sunday, which would be the 26th, which would be Boxing Day. Maybe it'll be on the Monday, the 27th, which is a bank holiday. Maybe. We're going to have to wait and see. It is exactly 20 minutes past the hour. Let me read a few comments. Thank you for them. It is uh, lovely to hear from you today. While I'm bringing the comments up, let me remind you, I am back with you tomorrow. Five till seven as usual. Five minutes of a quick news roundup, no more than that, and then you and I will talk, and I hope it'll be light-hearted. We'll have a bit of fun along the way. Saturday morning, Christmas morning, I'll be with you between 10 and noon. That's Christmas morning melodies, the second annual Christmas morning melodies. Thank you very much, William, for the link. Craig says, here are the five rules. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. In, out, in, out, shake it all about. Yes. Indeed. David Farrell says, can't stop laughing at this shite. Is this chunt for real? He doesn't say chunt. Fran says, sadly, the Welsh deserve this because we have been the most compliant of maybe anywhere on earth, says Fran, who is Welsh. Thank you, Fran. Joe says, did he say we are not going to make illegal rules? I don't think so, Joe. But you can listen back to it, of course, when it's online later on. Caroline says, ah, now I see how they will have the numbers up for January. Backbeat says, build back better, eh? How about fuck right off, says Backbeat. <laughs> Sorry. Patrick says, they are all communitarians who have been put in these positions of influence over decades. Groomed for it even, says Patrick. Martin says, what a Welsh shill bastard. Yes, Martin. Charlie says, I have never heard so much bollocks coming out of a politician's gob. God help us. It's astonishing, Charlie. I know it's a term I use too often. My better half says to me, you've said astonishing again, Richie. You've said staggering again. Stop it. I can't think of any other way of describing it. It's astounding then. <laughs> it's mesmerising that a guy thinks he can stand in, in, in an office in Cardiff, address the nation and tell them, I get to tell you who you can and who you can't see in your home. I'm going to put that in legislation. That it'll be illegal to have large gatherings in your home. We're going to stop you going to football matches. Nightclubs will have to close. To hell with you if you lose your business. And he can say that stuff on television. And like I said, he has no fear that when he leaves that building, there, there will, he has no fear of a baying mob. Don't call me a hypocrite. I don't believe in violence. I'm not saying harm a hair on his dim head. Exile them. All of them. That's what needs to happen now. It's, it's, it's a pipe dream. It's wishful thinking. It's fanciful and it is a fantasy. I'm well aware of it. I would love nothing more than thousands and thousands of people to walk to Downing Street to, to, to remove the gates at the entrance to that to that domain and to send them on their way exile them 
enough's enough now. But that's a fantasy. It's not going to happen. As I said, it's not going to happen. Not anytime soon anyway. 24 minutes past the hour. It's time to welcome my first guest to the programme. I will not the truth. <laughs> what a fantastic tune that is. I Will Not Comply by Blind Joe on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, the 22nd of December. Oh, if I had my way the Grammys next year, or should I say the Country Music Awards? Should I? Should I? Grammys Country Music Awards? We'll ask Joe what his preference would be. I'd take the Grammys myself. I, I, I would compare, you know. And the winner, I would say I'm the winner of Song of the Year 2021. I will not comply. Blind Joe! Get up here, Joe. That's if I had my way. Blind Joe, welcome back to the program. How are you? Richie, my man. How the heck are you, brother? I'm doing fantastic, man. Merry Christmas to you. And Merry Christmas to you too. And Leanne, many happy returns. You've got to give an acceptance speech now. I just gave you song of the year for 2021. (laughs) You know, knowing full well that the Grammys or the CMAs would never accept a song like this, I don't have a speech prepared. But uh, (laughs) I just want to say thank you to everybody that... uh, that has made uh, changed my life, man. This song is uh, is really doing uh, something special. You know, since we released it back in October, I've I've had I've been going all across the country doing rallies, and uh, we've uh, I've got a guy out in uh, the Netherlands actually that's looking to uh, do some uh, some some uh, other language stuff with I will not comply. So we're trying to make. Have you ever seen those videos, Richie, where they've got uh, 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 like one person from one country singing a line to the song and then another person from another country singing the line to the song and so on and so forth. I have. I remember some celebs did something along those lines. Along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what uh, he had emailed me and said, Hey, maybe we could do something like that. So we're kind of trying to put something like that together. And, uh, I can't I sing a really note cool, now, Joe. Yeah. I can't sing a note, but give me a line, Joe. Just give me a line. You can, yeah. leave, oh, you can you leave it out of the final mix. You can leave it out of the final mix, but just just, oh, no. just give me the experience. There, brother. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. I, I should have mentioned, of course, Joe uh, came to national uh, came, came to national attention back home in the United States when he uh, had a fantastic run on the brilliant uh, programme The Voice only a few years ago. He's from North Dakota, but he's based in Nashville. And it isn't just I will not comply. The songs you've been sending me in recent weeks, and I have played some of them on this programme, and I'm going to play another one later on when, uh, when, when we say goodbye, but that's not for a half an hour, uh, are brilliant. So congratulations. I reckon millions, I reckon 20, 30, 50 million people have listened to or downloaded I Will Not Comply. Um, you're entitled to have a big head. That's some achievement. Well, you know, I don't really get a big head over it, man. I'm just glad that people, that it's really uh, something that, that people are relating to and that people are, uh, especially in our country, I don't know how it is over there, but now here in America, we, uh, you know, they're, they're coming down on us pretty hard, man. We've got uh, de Blasio in New York uh, basically telling everybody you're not going anywhere without a vaccination, even though we all know full well that, you know, the the, the they're not as effective as they said. And you, even if you are vaccinated, you can still catch COVID. But, you know, that doesn't matter to them. They've got their agenda, so they're going to push it. Uh, now I just heard that Boston is is uh, down for the count as well. So uh, that'll be starting January 15th, uh, the mandates out there for one jab, and then you'll need two jabs by February 15th. So, 
you know, they're uh, they're still trying for it, man. But we've got a lot of people fighting for freedom here, uh, at least in this country and, and, and in the UK and Germany and everywhere, as far as people have been emailing me, man. So uh, the Tell fight is a- on, dude. The war is on, you know. It is. Tell us about the rallies. You, you mentioned a couple oh, of moments ago man. that you've, you've travelled everywhere. Who are you meeting? What type of people are you meeting? I mean, I'm fascinated because if we believe the press, Joe, the only people turning up to these anti-lockdown, anti-vax mandates rallies, well, they're just these uh, conservatives, Donald Trump supporters. That's if you believe the press. Tell us the oh, truth. Yeah. Who are you meeting? Yeah, I've, man, I've had so so many people. You know, Dell Bigtree has been good to us from the High Wire. Um, we uh, we've done a lot of stuff in North Dakota, uh, you know, that being where I'm from. We had a rally here there last month. And uh, I was actually really excited because I had got a call from some of the legislators up there that they wanted to come and sing. I will not comply with me on stage. And they were all all about it and all for it. And of course, Richie, as typical politicians do, they backed out and I didn't hear a word from them uh, yeah. when we when we were at the rally. But uh, you know what? We had about 10,000 people there that uh, were singing I will not comply at the top of their lungs. And it was a it was a wonderful thing. So uh, I'm trying to think of uh, it's been such a whirlwind, man, of people that I've talked to and met over these past couple of months. And I know there's some really, really big names. I just uh, uh, spacing on it at, at the at the moment. But I mean, what a what a crazy awesome thing that this song has turned into just uh even now still you know today i I get emails from people about how it just it changed their life and they they feel like they were at the end of uh of the hope you know and it gives them that little lift in their spirit and i just uh Man, I, I just can't tell you what it means to me, it's man. Fantastic. I just I light up every time I talk about it. It's two minutes and 41 seconds of Radio Gold. That's what it is. It's a fantastic <laughs> song, mate. It re- no, it is. So, so you're going around then, and you're meeting people from every walk of life, every political persuasion. Here's yeah. the $64 million question. Are you hearing ideas? I mean, what, what is it that people are suggesting we might need to do to stop this? Because it is rolling on. Look, I reckon 100,000 people or more went to London last Saturday. That's a great thing. Lovely to see yes. so many people out there saying, look, enough is enough, but 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 maybe something more needs to happen. What are people suggesting? Have you heard any ideas, Joe, that you thought, yeah, that's not bad, that. We could try that. You know, I hear a lot of uh, a lot of the same stuff we've been hearing for the past few months, like especially here, is, you know, well, the only way that we're going to change things is if we get our guns. we got to get our guns, and, you know, it's got to be a violent thing because that's the only thing that they that they recognize and stuff like that. And gosh, you know, Richie, for the past, how long has it been now? A year I've been telling people, you know, that's not what we need. We need to just say no. And this non-compliance is the way, but, but man, it, you know, it gets hard to keep telling people that when, uh, it's obvious to me that more people are waking up every day. I mean, I get the messages and the emails every day and yet they're coming down even harder with these mandates. I mean, we just had our president, uh, well, I call him the former vice president, but, yeah. you know, we uh, we had him come on and say now that um, this is a winter of death. Oh, my gosh. Winter of death. You know, so it's obvious that they're not going to stop. So I don't know. You know, people when when people message me, that's not really more with ideas so much as it is with thank yous and yeah, uh, yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know, man. Do you I think mean, on the know, guns, I, Joe? I, Sorry, sorry to interrupt I, you. Do you think no, when, it's okay. when, when people are saying it's time to get our guns, I I see that, and to me, it looks like people are just letting off a bit of steam, and yeah. it's the only way they know how. I don't believe that 
you know, most people plan on picking up their guns. That way lies death for you, the gun owner. They have much yeah. bigger guns and much more experience at using them. Don't do that. I'm in 100% agreement with you. I see people online who listen to this show and they'll go on my website and they'll say, I've had enough now. It's time to start, you know, cracking skulls. And I don't mock those people. I don't get, you know, I don't, I, I don't get involved because I know they're just letting off steam. I think they're scared because I think what you said is true. The only way to stop this is if enough people turn their backs on these criminals and say no more. We will not comply, Joe, as you sang about in that amazing song. We will open our nightclubs. We will open our businesses. We will continue to assemble. And you can stick your jabs where the sun doesn't shine. That's what it needs, Joe, in my opinion. Yeah, I, you know, I completely agree with you, Richie. And I think that um, the more people, you know, it's, it's just like we talked about last time, the more people that are willing to just say no and to just keep their businesses open. Here's, here's a prime example of what you're talking about. Um, I, I talk to a guy quite frequently now, his name is Chris Scott out in Canada. And for anybody that doesn't know what's going on in Canada, wow, they are getting it. Uh, they're getting, they're getting it pretty hard as far as the restrictions and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of an Australia vibe over there. And, uh, this guy, Chris owns a little cafe in a town of about 500 people and, uh, didn't shut down when, when, you know, everybody was supposed to shut down and the, everything came into effect in Canada and ended up being the top restaurant in the area because of not shutting down and not complying with this stuff. And people were so intrigued and interested and and done with everything that, uh, you know, his business was was the one to succeed. And uh, so he thought he was doing something good. And still, in the end, the cops at the end of this day where they had had this uh, big uh, freedom rally and he had done burgers and all this kind of stuff. Still, at the end of the day, the cops arrested him and brought him to jail and, uh, you know, for doing nothing, essentially. And uh, and and uh, of course, you know, he's out now and, and he's still fighting. And and uh, I think that's what we all have to do. You know, we can't let little things get us down. Just keep saying no, keep standing up to these people because they uh, they don't know how to handle that. No, they you know, don't, Joe. And you know what he needs? Ty- tyrannical people. They you stand up to them. It's like standing up to a bully. You know, yeah. sometimes, very rarely, it won't work. But most of the time, you stand up to someone and you know, give them a good crack if they need it, and uh, they'll back down pretty quick. Yeah, they hadn't planned for that. Do you know the the the, the Canadian story? Brilliant story. What he needed was he needed the support of the business community. He needed other businesses to to open up and say, yes, we're all in it together. I couldn't understand this last year when when hospitality representatives. So you have these union people and, you know, you have these hospitality industry spokespeople were going on television and saying, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're going to lose so many staff and we're going to lose our, our, our premises and we're going, we're going to go out of business. I couldn't understand why the they chambers did it here of, in Nashville. They yeah. did it here in Nashville too. Same damn thing, dude. And then they were on the news, on the news, whining. Whining know? about Oh, it. well, we don't want to. We don't want to. But if we have to, we'll we'll leave our businesses open. We don't want to. We don't want to go against it, but we will. It's like, you don't want to? Why? 
Why wouldn't you want to? This this should be the first thing you should be doing. Every one of these honky tonks should be open in protest. Give me a freaking break. Hundred percent right. My 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 pal Jean Ann, who plays a big part in the program. Jean, yeah. Jean Ann has just said it's the I am Spartacus moment. It's a, it's a great yeah. point. Exactly right. No, John John over there. They're threatening to arrest John and Josephine because they opened their stall. I'm opening my stall. I'm opening yeah. my business. Hey Mickey. Open your business tomorrow. We're not That's having right. this. Simple as that. Game over, then, yeah. Joe. You got it, man. You got it because then they got nothing. You know they can't, and that's the whole thing. Is is it's kind of like the mob mentality. They can't bring us all to jail. <laughs> no, they cannot. They don't have the numbers. They don't have the jails. You're absolutely right. Blind Joe is our guest this hour. Top man. If you haven't before, please visit blindjoe.com. Visit the website. Uh, terrific guy. Terrifically talented guy. Do you know I still get emails from people, and this is the gospel. If you want, I will forward them to you. People, who, <laughs> people who heard you on the program first time around and when you told the story about being put on the dirt bike oh yeah <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> Joe is blind folks he really is blind he cannot see but he sees more than most people you better believe that but he is blind and go on tell us about being put on the on, on the bike and sent out oh my <laughs> gosh man so yeah that dirt bike that you know I had more fun with that dirt bike I think than maybe anything else except for my guitar over, over my teenage years so my grandpa how, how it all came about was we lived on a farm outside of a little town called Kindred, North Dakota, and my dad had picked up a moped. Do you remember those, Richie? Oh, They're like yeah. bikes. They're like bikes, but they have a motor in them, right? So yeah. you can still pedal them and stuff. That's right. And so he had picked up this thing, and uh, we were just kind of cruising it around and stuff, and I was just into it. And my brother... Uh, I have a little brother. He's six or seven years younger than I am, and uh, he he had taken to hanging out with this neighbor kid and the neighbor kid had a bunch of motorcycles and stuff too so he would come over and we'd ride around and all this stuff and and my brother of course was going a heck of a lot faster than I was because he could see and all that and so and he kind of took over this uh this moped that we had and so I'd ask my grandpa who uh spoiled me out and I'd said hey grandpa you know do you think maybe you'd be able to get me uh a dirt bike because I wanted a, a dirt bike, not a moped. Mopeds weren't cool enough for me. <laughs> and, uh, and so my grandpa goes, well, I'll have to ask, ask your dad first. That's kind of something we'll have to all talk about. So he asked my dad and my dad's like, yeah, he goes, you can get him a dirt bike. He goes, just don't be getting him no big Harley that goes 130 miles an hour. You know, we don't need him to die. And so my grandpa comes back with this uh, Honda dirt bike. And I don't even remember what the model was now. It probably, probably topped out at like, 60 maybe 70 miles an hour maybe probably 60 miles an hour it topped out at and uh showed me how to fill it showed me how to you know work it and everything like that and showed me the throttle and the brakes and stuff and what i did was it was the beginning of the summer when i got this bike and so and my grandpa was way overprotective very overprotective of me being blind and so he he would say you know oh you can only ride it you know here and here and blah 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 and so i told him i said well i'm gonna figure something else out because i'm cruising on this bad boy and so I, uh, so I, what I did was I, uh, just rode really slowly, probably five, maybe 10 miles an hour all around. We had a 12 acre farm. It had a lot of tractor trails and, uh, dirt roads and stuff like that. So not a lot of cars, but a lot of room to ride, which is nice for a blind guy. And so I, uh, mapped it out as best I could of a route of probably about two or three miles and, uh, just kept that route and kept going. And so eventually I was going faster and faster and faster and until, uh, 
you know, August rolled around and I would do this every day. So I was, you know, playing guitar and playing, playing video games. We can talk about video games too, if you want, but I, uh, <laughs> I got this thing down and, uh, I remember one time in particular, I remember cause I was so proud of myself and I'm just ripping around this farm on this little dirt bike, you know? And I remember my dad and mom were standing out at the end of the sidewalk. They had company over. I don't remember who it was, but they're over. And all of a sudden I'm whipping around on my bike and, I come out of the back there off the dirt road and just I'm cruising by him, you know, trying to be cool. And my, my talk, my talking to my parents about it earlier and, or later, excuse me. And they're standing out there and my dad, whoever they were talking to, is like, Holy crap. Was that Joe? Was that you? And that's like, my dad's like, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you know, that's him. They're he's like, some oh sort of, gosh. he's some sort of he's, Jedi. He's, he's some yeah, sort of Jedi. He, yeah. Yeah, and the, whoever it was goes, my gosh, you know, you can't let him ride a bike like that. He's blind. It could kill him. And my dad's like, well, he ain't dead yet. He ain't dead yet, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, dads, dads are funny. Your dad probably thought, well, let's hope he does get, you know, a 20-mile-an-hour bang into a lamppost. It might teach him. He, he might yeah, not get might on it again. Yeah, might teach him a thing or two. <laughs> it's he, prob- he probably thought it might shut his mouth a little bit. <laughs> the only thing I can compare that to, and I've never been there, but Disney World has a roller coaster in the dark, doesn't it? It's called Space Mountain. Yeah, yeah. As far as I understand, of course, that wouldn't mean anything to you because you've been on a bike going 60 miles an hour. But I, I understand that it's pretty terrifying, even for people who like roller coasters. You're in the dark. You cannot see what's coming next. And you, you, you did that. Some sort of Jedi. There's a film, Joe, starring Rutger Hauer from the very late 80s or the early 1990s. And when you told the story, it reminded me of it. It's called Blind Fury. And Rutger is some sort of martial arts expert who is blind like, like yourself, but, uh-huh. um, but he's a wonderful fighter. And he's kind of like a vigilante. Um, awesome. So, so some, some of the people you know, they may have seen uh, that film in the past. Anyway, we're reminiscing about films now. Blind Joe is on the line live from Nashville. You're a Christian man. Uh, in, I am. In, in 10 minutes time or thereabouts, we're going to hear glory of the Lord. So is this, it's a stupid question, but I'll ask it anyway. It's a fantastic time, despite everything else of the year for you and for Leanne and for your family. What does Christmas mean to you, Joe? Christmas to me is just like you said, man, it's always been about family and friends and and just closeness and and that celebration of our Lord and Savior Jesus being born and and the forgiveness of our sins. And, and, uh, you know, it's different this year because being in Nashville, uh, you know, my family decided to go to Arizona for Christmas and uh, we're not able to go there with them because we've, uh, you know, it's just financially, we just can't afford it. And, uh, so we won't get to be with the family, my family on Christmas and Leanne's family is, uh, in Washington and, uh, they're financially kind of, uh, struggling as well with Leanne's mom having to, you know, quit her job with the vaccine mandates and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're all, our goal right now is just to Leanne and I, of course, are going to celebrate together. We've got a bunch of awesome food and movies and cool stuff we're going to be doing, but our goal right now is just to kind of get back with family and, Thankfully, because of uh, how well the song has been doing, I've been able to release more music, and we're hoping by April that uh, when once we start our sum- spring summer tour in April, that we'll be able to kind of get back toward home and maybe get a place out there so so we can be uh, back together with family and and stuff like that. But uh, but to me, man, Christmas is just just all about 
smiling and laughing with the people that you're closest with, you know, and, and just spreading the love, man, and showing the love and, and uh, good eating. Good eating is a, is a big thing for me on Christmas. I've uh, I've already taken uh, taken off of my uh, cleanse this week to indulge in some rather unhealthy things, Christmas <laughs> cookies included. So uh, good man. Now you you do <laughs> the turkey. It's on, my man. It's on. You do the turkey on Thanksgiving. I, I know that much. So yeah. I don't I don't believe that turkey. Excuse me. I don't believe that turkey is the centerpiece on Christmas Day. No, no, we, uh, you know, we've always been tried to switch it up a little bit on Christmas Day. So we kind of try to do different things. Uh, like one year we did an Italian Christmas this year. We're just kind of doing uh, like omelets in the morning, meat and cheese tray, that kind of thing. Nothing big, man. Just just hanging out and uh, singing some songs together and having a good time. You're a fantastic inspiration, Joe. Something else that people noted when you spoke with me previously was um, your sobriety and how candid you spoke about, you know, the, the problems you had with the bottle um, oh, yeah. and, and, and how you, how you, I won't say, because, of course, people who um, have had problems with alcohol, they don't say, I'm cured. They don't say that you're sober. And, yeah, uh, I, and, 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 and I know you said Leanne was a big uh, part in that, which is a wonderful thing. But no, it was just something that people noted. They said, fantastic. In fact, I had some emails from people who said that you kind of inspired them to take a long, hard look at their own relationship with alcohol. So that was pretty you know, positive Richie, as well. And I've, I've gotten those emails too. And I just, I, that is a gift from God, I think. Um, you know, when anybody can can uh, can say or do something that, that makes people... Uh, really look at what they're doing and say, Hey, maybe I should make a change. Uh, you know, that's how it happened to me too. So, um, I'm just really grateful to be able to, you know, pay it forward and, and, and give people that, uh, that little bit of hope. Oh, here's something awesome, Richie. Four weeks ago, I quit smoking cigarettes. So, uh, I am, uh, I'm no longer smoking cigarettes either. And so. how is that going? Oh man! Sometimes I feel like I want to bite my hands off, and other times I feel like it's the best decision I've ever made. So uh, I'm just going to keep rolling with it, and we'll see what happens, man. <laughs> outside, so outside of the cravings, then tell us about the positive effects it's had on oh, your body. Breathing, breathing, man. It, it's it's like night and day. You don't even really think about it, and the smell is something that I notice more too because yeah. my wife still smokes, and she's trying really hard to give it up now too. But. Uh, are you being now? Are you being an unbearable prick now, Joe? Are you with no, Leanne? Be no, honest. I, Tell the truth no, I, now. I do. I do call her Stinky though. Every time she comes <laughs> in from Singer, I'm like, "What's up, Stinky? How you doing?" Lovely. Fair but enough. No, I, I try not to be too unbearable because I I know exa exactly how hard it is. You know, Richie, that I think cigarettes was actually harder for me to quit than alcohol because with alcohol, once I stopped with the physical withdrawal symptoms. It was just kind of a mind over matter thing. But cigarettes, man, they pull at your brain. I even even today, I woke up and I haven't had a cigarette in a month. And I woke up and I was just like, oh, man. Did you, nearly, really... did you nearly fall off the wagon today? Did, oh, did you get just close? about. For, and for no reason. You know what I mean? That's the weird part is with alcohol, it was always like stress related or excuse related. I could justify it. Cigarettes, they just pop up out of nowhere. Tell me this. It's really. Tell me this. You are a singer. You are a very good singer. Has it Thank made... You any impact on your voice oh yeah definitely yeah especially uh especially playing live you can take bigger breaths and uh hold notes longer and yeah it's really had, had a way more of an effect than i thought it would yeah it's funny that isn't it because being a big music fan as you are i've noted over the years like some of my favorite artists over the years their voices deteriorated much sooner 
than some of their peers. Oh, and yeah. and I it was pretty obvious when you looked closer, I, I would find that the ones whose voices disappeared were they were heavy smokers. You look at Bono, for example, got big mm-hmm. into cigarillos and 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 then went to cigarettes for a time and then quit, but but then couldn't and then started smoking cigars. And his voice is dreadful these days. And he was a great singer at one time. Um, but there's a lot wrong with Bono. We, we, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> but that's but that's very positive, Joe. Well, Leanne Leanne might look at the healthy impact it's having on you and she might say enough's enough she's young enough anyway let's oh yeah let's quit you know yep and she is she is and she she has she's 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 just about ready she i think uh i think after christmas here once uh once we start heading into next week i think she'll uh she'll probably drop him for good she she's just about there so i'm i'm really proud of her she's Brilliant. doing great Here's a question for you now. Um, we'll talk again this time next. We'll, we'll talk before then. But if we got back together next December, where might we be, humanity? Where do you think things might be uh, this time next year? Will they be better, worse? Will they be the same? Bit of bit of projection there, Joe. You know, Richie, it's so it's so hard to say, um, and I hate to. I hate to be a downer. Um, I always like to try to spread hope. Um, but you know, (laughs) with the mandates coming, at least here in, in America, um, it's really, it's really tough to tell. I, I think it it just keeps, you know, I keep going back to what we talked about at the beginning here, which is noncompliance and, and standing up. I think that all around the world, that's really what we need to do is just really say no. It's it's easy to talk about on social media. Screw these guys. I'm not doing this. Blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to it, uh, you know, you have a job, you have a livelihood, you have a family. And th- th- those are easy, not easy, excuse me, things to 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 put at risk. Uh, but there's something greater at risk here and that is our humanity and our freedom as as a people not just americans but in the world so i think uh if we if you can uh you know it's time to take a long hard look at things and say hey you know is this is this uh this mandate and this control is this really how i want my grandkids my kids my grandkids and future generations to live because they've already got a lot of our kids thinking that if you go to school, you wear masks, period. They don't know any different. And that's scary, ladies and gentlemen. That is a scary, scary thing. You know, you don't think about it like that, but you should because that's not right, man. It's just not right what they're doing to the psychology of children and and, and adults too. But I mean, you know, at least as adults, we have the wherewithal to fight back a little bit. Children don't. And it's just disgusting. So, uh, you know, hopefully, man, hopefully people will stand up and hopefully by December of next year, we'll be like, gosh, remember, remember when January, when they yeah. tried to instill those mandates and how we all fought back and kicked our asses? Please, God, Joe, please, God. I have a little bit of info for you. Um, yes. Lots of love uh, this week for, for everyone, but lots of love for you on, on my website. Um, Pandora says, um, has Joe read Alan Carr? on how to quit smoking. Alan Carr, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's an English no, comedian. No, I have, I have heard of him, but no, I haven't read it. I've, I'm actually right now reading... Well, you don't the, need it now, because you're, you're doing well, but Leanne might want to look at it, apparently. It might be yeah, of yeah, some use. Yeah, yeah. I'll actually have her take a look at that. I, that name is familiar to me. Um, I haven't read it, but no, thank you for that suggestion. That's great. Actually, what I'm into now is a book, uh, trying to remember the lady's name. She was an MK Ultra survivor. Uh 
Bryce something or other. I was going to remember it to ask you if you'd read it, Richie, because my goodness, man. Um, I don't know if you've read Kathy O'Brien's book on MK Ultra, but this this is better than that. I is think. It? I've got yeah, I've I got did read P- Kathy. Yeah, I've got the PDF. I can send it to you too. But man, what a no! Just send what, me what, just send me the name of it, and I and and I and I'll purchase it. We'll keep the uh, the fires burning uh, for the yeah, author. Yeah. Definitely, Joe. No, it's it's right up my street. Yeah, absolutely. It's coming up for four uh, five minutes even to the top of the hour. Well, I'm going to play this. First of all, I'm going to say Merry Christmas to you, to Leanne and to your families. And, yes, and thanks Christmas for the to gift. You and the missus as well. Uh, thanks, mate. And thanks for the gift of not only I will not comply, but the, the music that you've sent me this year. I, I really mean that. It's been terrific. Oh, and uh, Hey, man, it's my pleasure. And thank you so much for playing it, brother. It's, uh, you know, this music is, is and always has been like the most important thing in my life. And it's helped me through so much. And for you to get it out there to so many people and, and to be able to help them through the, these crazy times, it's just a, a dream come true and a, and a blessing from, from our Lord and Savior. So I really appreciate you, man. It was an honor. It was an honor. And we're going to play now a song called Glory of the Lord, which I listened to once today and it grabbed yeah. me straight away. Tell us about Glory of the Lord. So I wrote this song uh, <clears throat> a few years back when uh, I, I uh, had a couple of friends commit suicide and that seems to be a running theme in my life. And so I, uh, went on a pretty big bender. It was about a four day alcohol binge and I got done and I was in the bathroom. I think I talked about this last time I was on the show. I was in the bathroom at night. I had a bottle of Jack in my hand and I was puking pretty hard and taking swigs while, you know, puke, swig, puke, swig. And I thought, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, this is just, this is ridiculous. And I, uh, just kind of got in the bathtub and sat down and started bawling and the words to this song kind of just fell into my head. And so I don't know if it was a, you know, half drunk thing that happened or a spiritual awakening or whatever you want to call it. I look at it as a gift from God. Uh, and so once I was able to really get myself under control, I wrote the words down and, uh, put a tune to it and just really haven't had, uh, it really hasn't been the right time to release it, but I think now is, uh, you know, there's really no better time than now with everything that's going on. We could all use a little Jesus in our life, and he helped me in, in my uh, hardest time that I've ever had. So uh, I, I know for a fact that he'll help a hell of a lot of other people, too. That's a lovely testimony, Joe. Thanks for that. And again, Merry Christmas to you and to yours. Um, and we'll talk again early next year, That's uh, with your permission, of course. Absolutely, Richie. That sounds awesome. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well, my friend. Thank you again for everything and God bless you, brother. Thanks, Joe. The the, the terrific uh, Blind Joe and the website is blindjoe.com. Please go to blindjoe.com. Send a bit of love Joe's way and pick up a copy of his music. Buy his music. Keep him going. I will not comply. Wonderful stuff. Let's hear uh, Glory of the Lord on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Glory of the Lord from Blind Joe. Uh, the time is, uh, it's around about the top of the hour. It is, it's exactly six o'clock, in fact, here in the UK. Welcome to the Richie Allen Show. If you've just joined it, it's wonderful to be with you. Terrific conversation with Blind Joe. Just to remind you, tomorrow, it's you and me. It's open mic, basically, between around about 5.05 and 7 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, it's anyone, all comers, really. It doesn't matter if you got on the phone in. 
recently. We'll get through as many calls as we can. We'll have some crack, hopefully. I'll have some Christmas tunes as well. And it behooves me to tell you that Christmas morning, Saturday, December 25th, I'll be with you. I will be with you between 10 and noon. That's Christmas morning melodies. This, this, this Christmas Day. Second one. Second time, did it last Christmas. Out Well, not kind of out of the blue. It was kind of out of the blue, and it wasn't. Yeah, because I did a couple of Sunday morning melodies programmes, I think, previously. But anyhow, uh, I did it, and I enjoyed it, and I'm going to do it again. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics, and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.co.uk The views and opinions expressed on The Richie Allen Show are those of the guests and the guests alone. They do not necessarily reflect the position of the host or other contributors. Yes, I noticed that Dame Maura, Dame Maureen even, Dame Maureen Lipman was referenced in the media today, the BBC, I think, The Independent, The Guardian. Uh, the actress and comedian, but actress mostly, Maureen Lipman, was talking about cancel culture and how it's going to ultimately be the death of comedy. Because people will be so afeard of, afeard, they'll be so scared of offending someone or some group of people or some organisation that they might find themselves cancelled unemployable. It's interesting anywho what she had to say. I was about to write about it today and then all sorts of things had to be done domestically, chores that sort of stuff. So I didn't write about it but it was interesting. I recommend if you get a chance online look for Maureen Lipman's article about cancel culture and how it's going to be the death of comedy. Of course it'll be the death of free speech won't it? It won't just be comedy of course. It won't be comedy. It'll be people absolutely terrified, petrified to say anything, lest it be the wrong thing. Wrote about this, talked about it for years. You know, it's happening. It's happening all the time to people. We read about it all the time, people losing their jobs. It's often happening in academia because they have the wrong opinion. You'll know about J.K. Rowling, of course, and, and, the, and the trans madness. But it's a serious one because a whole generation, or two generations, three, I mean, I'm 46, I'll be 47, right soon, in a week or so, uh, I'll be 47. But, But the generations coming behind us, it's normal for them. It's normal, it's regular for them. It's, it must feel pretty acceptable for them to see people basically ostracised, excommunicated because of some opinion they hold. It doesn't have to be about gender identity. It can be about anything. Stag- I'm not going to say staggering again. I'm not. But, but, but coming from where I come from, it is, it's so bizarre to be here, isn't it? Shall I do the headlines very quickly before we get uh, Richard and Fred Fairbrass on? Or right said Fred, 
maybe I shouldn't do the headlines. But look, they're claiming the daily UK COVID cases have topped 100,000 for the first time. That's what they're saying. And I, I haven't seen any commentary on that from the political class, but that is what they are saying. The UK Prime Minister has said that there will not be any new restrictions in England before Christmas. Christmas is, of course, on Saturday. But we believe, we understand that he will announce new measures shortly after Christmas and will blame the so-called Omicron variant. The other big story today, a bigger story, even even though it isn't surprising, is that the MHRA has given its approval, that's the regulator here in the UK, to offer, offer now, jabs, COVID jabs, to so-called vulnerable 5 to 11-year-olds. That's the story. June Rain, the chief executive of the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, which is the MHRA, she said, and I quote, parents and carers can be reassured that no new vaccine for children would have been approved unless the expected standards of safety quality and effectiveness have been met. She is a lawyer, a dangerous, dangerous woman, June Rain. It is a lie to say that the COVID jabs have met safety standards, quality standards and effectiveness. We know she is a liar. If it's a vaccine, it's certainly not effective, doesn't stop you getting it, doesn't stop you passing it on. The quality, leave that one alone. The safety, you've only got to go to gov.uk and look at the latest yellow card data. For, for, for those of you who were born yesterday, the yellow card reporting system is where people who feel they have been injured mildly or more seriously by a medicine, doesn't have to be a vaccine, that was approved in the UK. They go onto the government website and they report it via the yellow card reporting system. The latest data, I look at it from time to time, the jabs are doing unbelievable harm. They are killing people disproportionately. But the rollout goes on. Now they're saying vulnerable 5 to 11 year olds before too long. It'll be every 5 to 11 year old in the country and before too long it'll be every newborn it really will be the Israeli government announced today that it's beginning to offer a fourth dose of the so-called vaccine to people over 60 it is patently insane but it seems that only you and I know it's insane <laughs> it's just you and I Oh, God. Right, Fred has um, said hello to me. That's lovely. On on Tinternet, that's tickety-boo. We'll get him on in a moment. It's time for more music, and then some more of your comments, and then it's right, said Fred. Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire on the Richie Allen show. It's exactly ten and a half minutes past the hour. 
welcome back to the programme. It's lovely to be with you this Wednesday, the last the last proper show before Christmas, the last proper one. I am with you tomorrow. We'll do a phone-in tomorrow. I don't need to tell you anything about Fred and uh, Richard Fairbrass. I don't need to tell you anything. Uh, hundreds of millions of plays on Spotify, uh, 30 million records sold, awards coming out of their back passages, um, TV shows, they've done it all, BMI awards, they've played in every country in the world and are still as popular now as they've ever been. It's a massive pleasure to welcome back Fred and Richard, right said Fred. Gentlemen, thanks so much for giving us your time today. How are you? Good man, how are you? Yeah, we're fine, thanks Richard, we're good. How are you? I just had a big screw up, that's how I am. Um, Why? How so? I had, we're all criminals on standby to play it. Okay. And, and then I played Billy Joel by mistake. Oh! <laughs> and rather than stop Billy Joel and just say, "Listen, I didn't want to play Billy Joel," I did that old, I did that old smashing and nicey thing. I just carried on like an idiot. But um, apologies for that. The least yeah, I could right, bloody do. Right. How are you doing, by the way? We're um, we're okay. Yeah, we are. We're okay. We're hanging in there. Better than better than some. Um, and, um, less good than most. Yeah, less, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're better, we're, we're better than most, and and less good than some. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're, you know, we're lucky, really, that we've can sort of just about keep keep our shit together. Yeah. Um, but it's been it is pretty bleak for a lot of people, and um, so yeah, the, as, as you know, the hospitality and and um, entertainment has just been crucified. Uh, and it's gonna it's gonna get worse it seems next week. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it, it, it is a bit difficult. So we, what we yeah we kind of uh, read the or tried to read the room a little bit last year. So we we got involved with writing autobiography, which comes out next May, which is going through Omni Press, I think. Um, and then we got involved in NFTs, you know, these non fungible tokens. Got involved in those earlier this year. And yeah, we're the, a movie we've been working on since 1933 seems to actually might have some uh, juice left in it, yeah. which, which uh, we had some very good news the other day. So we're just keeping our fingers crossed. Can you help us out on that? Because when I was doing my morning park walk, I was listening to one of the BBC stations and one of their financial reporters was advising people to be a bit careful with these NFTs, something right, to do with yeah. football players and yeah, stuff. Yeah. What's Sorry. going on? Well, it, it, it went into a bubble. People started paying crazy money for basically uh, code, coded um, artwork. Um, and coded is when you kind of tell the computer to make something, as far as I understand it, and it sort okay. of generates an image. And people have been paying insane money um, I think there's well we've got a meeting with the guy that runs the site um, with um, ne- um, yeah next week I think so um, it, it is difficult it is one well, it is it's got a bit of a bubble aspect to it and I think you have to tread very carefully um, and we we aren't investing we aren't buying them we actually we own, we own a site that that um, platform that, a, a platform that that um, shows new artists mm. so um, you so know what you're doing. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. But ch- the thing is, it changes because it's you know, it's technology and something. I this changes week by week, and so you have to you have to keep your eyes open and, and tread very carefully. But the guy's right to advise caution. He is, yeah. And um, and they, I, I think caution is a good thing to to apply to almost everything, including the vaccination. Include, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll come to that in thirty seconds. Yeah, I, I, I read that the very first text 
that was ever sent. It was sent via Vodafone. It sold, the text sold, or I think, um, Richard, you you might have mentioned code. The code sold for £120,000. Oh my lord! Okay. Well, I remember. I remember. I was doing a TV show for. I think it was the BBC, and it was like backstage at the um, at the um, Eurovision Song Contest when Dana International won it, and that was the first time I'd ever seen somebody came up to me and they said, "Have you seen this?" And they showed me this phone, and and, and they said, "You can send texts with this, like messages." And I just remember thinking, why would you wow. do that when you can speak on the phone? <laughs> why, why would you do that? And then I realised that that's all I do now. <laughs> that's all you do. WhatsApp people, your, your special yeah. WhatsApp groups. I, I, I remember running to the top of the road to phone friends. Yes. In the, yes. In the old coin boxes and having to queue because everybody else was doing it. And there was yeah. always some bastard who smoked in the box while they were on the phone. <laughs> There always remember, was, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember all the um, the uh, t- directories that used to hang upside oh, down? Oh yes, of course I do. Yeah. And, oh, the and, B, and the A and the B back. And the, in Hell's Court, it was all the it was all the hookers. All the hookers. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. The cards. Oh, I wasted a lot of money there. Yeah, oh, yeah. so well, no, I didn't. And 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 then and then the phone. Your, your friends would tell you stupid things like if you that if you didn't have any money that you could press down on the contraption that held the that's receiver right, and you could make phone calls this was total bullshit but I spent hours trying to do yeah. it fact, what, what happen, we, we moved to New York in 87 and what you used to put your when I used to ring home you put your dollar in so you put four quarters in then you used to have a quick chat with mum and dad and then the operator would, would come on and, and say you're overrun can you please put some more money in and, and, obviously, with and obviously you don't <laughs> Just run and, off. Yes, yeah, so we were in the fa- it was in a fashion in the fashion district in the college, and uh, as we legged it out of the college back in the day, you could hear the phone ringing. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could <laughs> they were phoning. trying to get their money, trying to get their money. You had to be trusting, and yeah, yeah but we didn't have the I money to they, give I, them. I bet they don't do that now. No. I bet they don't. Surely but, nobody, after being told by the operator, you were on to New York there now for 15 more minutes. Please insert uh, £4.27. Well, Surely you know, nobody did it like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. You, you, know, you would think that people wouldn't do that. But actually, I mean, I think recent experience shows that there are a lot of really, really stupid people out there walking in the high street. Yeah. And they would they would do it. They, you know, if Boris Johnson tells them to send, send him 50 quid because he needs some more wine and cheese, yeah. they they probably would. My listeners yeah. used to think the craze were gangsters. The, the fair brasses, uh, I tell you what, they put the craze. They put the, they make them look like angels. Some of the scams that we're hearing about now. I, I've got to admire both of you, because you're performers, you've played everywhere. You've played on massive stages, stadiums, yeah. festivals. So you've got a bit of front and that's wonderful. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be confident, talented? Yeah. And but, but you've also got brass necks, but you've also got very thick skins. Because yeah. you've taken some shit, really, haven't you, on social media in the last yeah. 12 months. And I love the way you keep going back at people. Tell us about yeah, that. We, it's great we're fun. Taking quite a lot. I mean, the usual, to be honest with you, it's the usual suspects. And what I, recently we had, it was Piers Morgan, Nick Ferrari, John Gaunt. Who's, Sheila, who's not Gaunt at all. No, He's quite fat. Short, <laughs> what's her name? Sheila Doherty or something? Oh, the one. And there's the, about four or five. The woman with a face for radio. Yeah, there was about four or five of them, and they're all rattling on about health. Mm. And I just said, what is, what is it with you fatties? Yeah. Having a go at people. <laughs> About health. Yes, I, I said, know. I, you know, I, I said I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go to Stevie Wonder for road for road directions. You know, <laughs> no. it's you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know, I, I just see it's horses for courses and it's fine. People are overweight, that's absolutely fine. But that's all, it's like me, it's like me giving people about hair advice. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't do that. No, no I me also neither. Think, yeah, I think also you, you just, you learn over a period of time. Because when we first started, it really did bother me if we got bad press. It used to really bother me. And you, you know, you'd think that it would it would hang around for days, and people would hate you forever, and da da da. And then you realise after a period of time that actually this, it, it, you know, it's it's chip paper the next day, and people forget. Um, and also, nine times out of ten, the people who are slagging you off are not people that you'd want to know anyway. No, no. no. Critics not- criticise legends, rock out stadiums. Yeah, I just think, you know, and also the weird, somebody mentioned this the other day, and I think it's really true, which back in the day, 60s and 70s, it was was a a pop star's job to kick the dust up and be a little bit anti-government and all that, you know, have the Joe Byers and, you know, and Bob Dylan, that whole thing. And now the weird thing is if you kick up the dust and have a problem with the government, you are a right-wing fascist nutter. Yeah. How has that happened, Fred? Like, it's, 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 look, you guys, fantastic the success you've had. And you, and you could continue to have if it wasn't yeah. for this lunacy. Um, but but where, where are the... T- you, you get a guy like Ed Sheeran is doing incredibly well now. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I would imagine that Ed Sheeran probably fancies himself as being... You know, a bit of a Bob Dylan, maybe. Maybe he fancies himself as being a bit of a folk singer, even if he isn't. Right. Where's Sheeran now when legions of fans need some direction? Uh, to, you know, need some commentary on the tyranny that's unfolding. Where are these people? Well, 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 one question, first question is, uh, which bit of Bob Dylan does Ed Sheeran think he is? Uh, it was a stupid <laughs> comment for me to make. But you would imagine a guy like him who writes his own songs, who plays the acoustic guitar, he might oh, yeah. fancy himself as a bit of a, you know, but, but I know his songs are certainly not protest songs, but no. he, surely it's up to guys like him now and others to say, Jesus, you know, maybe there's some responsibility on me as an artist to speak out against this, but they're not doing it. No, no. I mean, he's signed to Warner Music, same label as Stormzy is signed to, and also Liam Gallagher. And, and Warner Brothers is, uh, Warner's Music is owned by a Russian um, uh, oligarch. And, I, and maybe he's got a certain position on this and he doesn't want them queering the pitch. I mean, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's very possible um, that... You, he wouldn't that he wouldn't want record sales to be um, at risk because of someone's political, uh, not political, but something, but so the, the opinion someone has. And I, I would think that is echoed right across all record labels, management, certainly artists who rely on third party revenue. People, um, certain artists, look maybe who they've got perfumes, own TV show, clothesline, stuff like that. I think sponsors would look very dimly on them. Yeah. Uh, and, and then maybe even the contract thing, like with record contracts. I mean, we haven't signed a deal for ages, but um, the last deal we signed... We used a quill pen, I think. Yeah, we used a quill <laughs> pen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but, but what used to... Uh, um, so I might be speaking out of turn, but what you, record, record contracts used to have a clause called best endeavours. And that best endeavours basically meant you have to work in, in a way that that promotes the label and the product um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in good light and, and in a way that won't affect its commercial um, uh, value. Maybe that con- those, those clauses are still in there. And if, if that's the case, maybe that's, that's an issue. I don't it know. It makes yeah. sense to me. That makes, you know, when you put it like that, yes, it does make sense to me. And then you have business partners. You mentioned clotheslines, perfumes yeah. and stuff like that. You're, you're probably tied up contractually. I get it, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, the reason we can uh, we 
I mean, I think, to be honest with you, Richard, I think we would speak out even if we were, if, even if we did have a major label or a rent management, but, you know, in our ear all the whole time, because I just think that's the kind of people that we are, really. Um, but I think the reason we speak out, and it's very easy for us to do that, is because we aren't, we aren't, don't, we're not owned by anybody. No. Um, we, we, and we, we've, you know, we have our own, we do another radio show um, from time to time. And the reason we do that is because we were told right at the beginning, we can say, say what we like and play what we like. Yeah. Um, if they had said, you know, you, this is the script and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't play this and you can't play that, we wouldn't have done it. No. Um, and I think it's a real shame. I mean, you, you know, a guy came up to me today, a real, a real a guy from the East End, a really nice guy, and he was saying there's a whole list of people that he really liked, artists and performers of various kinds. He can't listen to them anymore because, you know, whether it's Paul McCartney or Rod Stewart or Elton John or whatever, Bruce. these people... Yeah. Have, have for him they have completely ruined his experience of uh, of enjoying them as artists you know i understand a... that uh, richard i understand that i yeah, I, I grew up listening to to uh, to bruce i got that music very young because it's it spoke to me i had a difficult time growing up and i used to listen to it it gave me great comfort and i yeah. parted company yeah. with him for a bit and then i got back into him in the right. in the 90s but yeah it's very difficult for me Knowing that he's demanding that people who come and see him are are jabbed. That's I, I can't compute. That doesn't compute with me. No, I wouldn't no, give him a pass. It's I still you know I had him on over the weekend, but I don't know what I had on. I had devils and dust on. I think and I'm listening to it. And I'm going, it's great, but but Jesus Christ, Bruce, how could you do that? How could you say it to people? I, I, yeah. I agree. It's, yeah. the same, it's the same with George Welby. You know, we have Justin. Uh, Justin Welby. Sorry, um, why did I say George? I don't know. I don't know. The um, Archbishop. Justin, yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah, the art, he looks like a George, maybe. Um, the Archbishop of Canterbury. You know, the, the, this, people seem to have complete. it seems to me people have completely lost their moral compass. There's a complete absence of any idea that, you, that people should be allowed to determine what kind of medical intervention they have for themselves. And then you get, you get completely idiots like Andrew Neil, who actually starts talking about punishing people who, who have taken a different view. It's, it is quite extraordinary to me the degree to which there's this completely, there's a hollowing out of every single fundamental principle. I don't, I, it's, it's staggering to me. I really, really, really do not understand it. Just before Fred comes back in, can I ask you both, since we last spoke, which is about six months ago, yeah. has your not looking to put any words in your mouth and I can I can remember I think what 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 you said just about but has your um opinion of why any of this is happening has that changed in any way not really no, no. um I'm not saying I know why it's happening but I think it, everything that we've talked about, I mean, you and I have been talking for years, Richie, and uh, everything we've talked about, you know, the lockstep World Economic, World Economic Forum, it all seems to be very much front and centre um, in terms of its, in terms of what, what it laid out, what it wanted to do, and what they're trying to make it do. Uh, so we still feel it's very much to do with um, uh, the digitalisation of. Um, everybody's data <clears throat> and people will, will, will some people will balk at that and say well my phone already has my digital data on that the difference is the connectivity once they once banks have your health information and and those two things those two things are linked and also insurance and they can have a real-time assessment of your health they they will look at your mortgage and say well you know mr fairbrass you've been we see you're spending this and this and you, you smoke too much and you drink too much, and so your 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 monthly mortgage is going up by twenty percent. And they will yeah. be able to do that. 
People think I'm nuts when they, I say stuff like yeah. that, but that is exactly where this will go. And and someone will go to get on a plane, and they'll they'll do their QR code, and they'll say, "I'm sorry, your 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 credit score rating says that you're not a, you're a high risk, and we can't have you on the plane," or something like that. And and I think that's where this is this is going, and it certainly isn't anything to do with our health. That is for sure. Well, now there's a Swedish company, a startup company, <coughs> and they've they've developed this this little chip that you can put under your skin. Um, that has all your medical yeah. data on it. Yeah. I think it's, it's, to me, it's also it's a bit like the, the war on cash. Uh, the war on cash is symptomatic of this uh, this whole program, I think, which is to do with the, the government and the banks monitoring absolutely everything that you spend, where you spend it, who you spend it with, how much it is, everything. So, cat for me, cash is the new front line. Um, I went in, I saw a restaurant today, and they no longer take cash. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you, one, apart from anything else, they're not interested in people having cash in their pockets or low-income families, low -income families. Mm -hmm. and they are, they, they, are, are, they are kind of prepared for the, the eventual um, the, the degree to which whatever you spend in their establishment becomes the property of somebody else. That, that information goes down the line and becomes the property of somebody else. So, you know, I remember Eric Clapton back in the day saying that when he was when things were a bit rough, he just used to take, I think, 500 pounds a week out in cash. And that was his limit. Mm. Um, and that's what that's what they're trying to eliminate. And it's, it's a it's a very, very people don't get it. I really don't think they, they understand what they're walking into. With which Fred, sorry, Richard, which Fred alluded to. And I see that mm. as well. And I don't understand how they can't see it. Jesus, they, they did not read the newspapers. The, the, <laughs> the, the central bank is has, has announced it plans a centralised digital currency, which will have a set of rules, which of course yeah. will be controlled, as Fred said, by the owner or by the manager of that currency. What yeah. is there not to see, uh, people? Wake yeah. up to it. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I, a, a friend of mine until last year was, was um, head of a behavioural... Insight team. No, no, it wasn't exactly. Oh. It was behavioural data oh. at a bank in Spain. She she left earlier this year, or well, last year, I can't remember. And and she, we had this conversation. Her and I had this conversation before the whole COVID thing, so 2019. And she was saying what the banks want to, want to do is link up the way you live with the way you spend, because they want to know what they're investing in. That's that that was her thing. She said that's their goal. And and if, if suddenly you're, you've got a mortgage agreement and a loan agreement, then your lifestyle changes for whatever reason. Then they want to better shift your loan agreement, your mortgage agreement, credit card limits, etc., in in line with how your lifestyle changes. Now I can't imagine them saying, "Hey, Mr. Fairbrass, we realise that you're really really super fit for your age, so we're going to give you some more money." Yeah. yeah. They aren't going to say that. They're going to say, hey, Mr. Fairbrass, you're, you're now 65, and we think you're a bit of a bad bet. <laughs> Absolutely. Richard, yeah. can I ask you this? Both of you answered this. Do we really believe that Klaus Schwab was being literal when he said that people won't have anything? Like, that they might crash this financial system, the, yeah. one, the one we know, and then allow everybody a universal basic in income? Do we really believe that's actually possible? Yes, well, I, I think it is. I you think, think it is possible. Yeah. Wow. One of the things that, that uh, dawned on us when we were thinking about that, we remember the thing about you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. You know, everything will be rented. That was one of the, you know, one of the basic tenets of this. And then we thought, well, actually, if you're going to rent everything, who are you renting it from? 
Klaus Schwab. You're renting it from Klaus Schwab <laughs> and his mates. That's what you're renting it from. Um, and now they're talking, I think a Tory MP recently talked about banning car ownership in 10 to 15 years. That's right. You're absolutely right. So th- this is, a, this is a, the whole thing for me is an attack upon the individual's right to, to lead their own life as they wish. That's what this is. Whether you want to own a car, you want to own a house, rent a house, smoke, drink, doesn't matter what it is, the government has a view on it. And um, one of the probably probably one of the biggest mistakes we made was to allow scientists and the health and safety lobby into the government arena. It's an absolute disaster. And certainly from our point of view as musicians, what it's done to London in terms of uh, shutting down gigs, whether it's you know the, the, the smoking ban and the price of alcohol and all that kind of stuff, it has absolutely ruined it. Was that Blair's well, government? Sorry, to, again, again, a million apologies for the interruption, but there's a million right, things going around in my mind. But that's yeah. you, you're giving me loads of ideas. Was it Blair, was it, in the 90s? Is that when it happened? Yeah, well, I think it started there. I think this has gone back, to be honest with you, I think, Richie, I think this has gone back many, many years. I think what we're seeing now in terms of the compliance um, is not something that's just happened in the last two years. I think it probably started just after the war. I think it probably started many, many years ago when people started to defer to the state for their health, for their well-being, um, for their safety, their guidance, for their for, for e- almost everything. And as God, as a as a belief system, has dis- has kind of drifted into the background, people have to have something to which they defer for for advice and for guidance. And it's now the government, um, and that's. And, and witty and balance and, and well, people like that. I, you know? I think if you have in governments good people, I mean, we, we obviously we don't, but but if 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 you had a Tony Benn or um, uh, Michael Meach or something, is it Michael Meach? Yeah, Michael Meach. Yeah, yeah, he was a good or, guy, Michael. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Rob, Robin Cook. Some some of the probably some of the more Peter uh, Shaw. Yeah, Peter Shaw. People who actually seem to have a passion about fairness and and uh, the people and actually. distribution of wealth and that mm. sort of stuff and and, and yes and, and their constituent uh, their constituencies um, maybe having faith in those people worked worked but that has changed you know imagine um, having faith in Tony Blair I mean what was he was Sedge what was he from Sedge Sedgemore I think Sedgemore yeah yeah and imagine having faith in him so yeah he's he's the guy for us and then years later he just packs his bags and bugs off to the World Economic Forum yeah well, and there's even rumours this this guy going to try and make a return to frontline politics I know. It would be astonishing wouldn't it wouldn't it, it be would incredible be. if considering I mean this is a guy responsible partly but jointly responsible for the deaths of at least a million people Absolutely. and the displacement yeah. of millions more yeah. Well, yeah. yeah one of the things I, I always thought about him and I feel the same about Johnson which is it, it takes a particular kind of idiot to to completely undermine all the goodwill that met you when you were first elected. Well, if you remember the day when Blair first entered, remember I was delighted. Yes, exa- so was I. I mean, it was it was a breath of fresh air, and he was young and nice looking, and his wife was young, and it was all terribly new. Same with Johnson with the Brexit thing. It was like, right, we're on the path to doing something, you know, particularly interesting. Whether you agreed with it or not is beside the point. But it was it was a it was a break from the the grip of stasis which is where we were before and with both of these people with both Blair and Johnson they have just blown it they've blown that goodwill and I don't know how you do that so quickly Blair particularly has has now become one of the most I think one of the most toxic people 
in the world. But you'd have to. You'd have to say he probably doesn't care. I don't think he does care. He, was, he's, he would never saw himself as a public servant. I've seen his haircut. He yeah. doesn't care. We we shouldn't be yeah. throwing stones at that particular glass house now. The Fairbrass <laughs> brothers and and myself at his hairstyle. That's the only thing I I don't envy his hair. So I I started doing this type of program back in. Uh, the back in 2009 or thereabouts and I was very lucky because the station I was working at then Talk Radio Europe which I know you know in Marbella we were I we, I was given access to everybody everybody would I think everybody spoke to me because I think they thought the Talk Radio Europe sounded very grandiose you know <laughs> we're, we're talking to the whole of Europe no you're not son you're talking to a few expats in Marbella and they're pissed right up as they're listening but I used to persuade they all came on former FBI not directors now but I had assistant director uh, deputy directors on I had the CIA people and that was my first kind of conspiracy theory, theory type radio show. And they used to tell me, and they used to not even bat an eyelid. They wouldn't even stutter. They would say, Richie, every single one of them is compromised somehow. Yeah. They wouldn't achieve those roles. And I, of course, wide-eyed, you know, and innocent at the time, I would yeah. say, well, what do you mean? And they would say, sex or money. <laughs> yeah. that's what it is and that's why yeah. we're stunned when as Richard you said it brilliantly the, the you know the good looking energetic Tony yes. Blair was going to right all the wrongs of, of Major and Thatcher it just yeah. turns out to be the bloody same exactly I yeah think, exactly right, I think, yeah. yeah one of the things there's a guy who lives next door to us and you know we've often talked about this in politics and everything and one of the th- and he's a clever guy he's not stupid he's a successful actor and everything else but he will he finds it really hard to believe that the people in charge of the country don't care about him he, he can't fathom he it. can't fathom that uh, at all he's he but he finds it really hard to get it get his head around the idea that the people in around the cabinet table do not really care about what happens to him as an individual, and I think you, I think Fred's right. You do need to go back in time quite significantly. I think for me, I would probably go back to people like Peter Shaw and stuff, to find politicians who are both left wing and patriotic and actually care about the people they represent. You don't get that feeling from Sadi Javid. No, or, you don't. Or or Richie No, because these old these old lefties. I'm a student of politics. I'm a history graduate. I know these guys. These old lefties. They did not want to milk you dry. They didn't yeah. look at Richard and Fred Fairbrass and think, right, fuck them. We'll have them. We'll turn them upside down. They never did that. And neither did the socialists in Central America. They didn't look at wealthy people and think, well, we'll screw them to the wall. That's yeah, not yeah. the way they thought. But yeah. today. Younger people today, they believe that socialism is about robbing people who worked hard to make their yeah. money. It never was about that. No, 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 exactly. It and wasn't. also, I think it's, you know, you have to give people a sense of, um, a sense of hope. I think one of the problems now is we have a, we have a, 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 a selection of MPs on the front bench, well, actually on both sides of the House, really, who seem to be obsessed with, the, or they seem to be only able to sell misery and, and concern and paranoia and fear. Johnson never comes onto the screen and makes you feel better about yourself or better about the country or better about the government's ability to handle the situation. There's none of that. And I, I, and I think the left, the Socialist, the, what, the Socialist Party, I nearly said the left, the, the Labour Party, have become so inept and so detached from their base that it's, I mean, they came third in the, in the North Shropshire uh, by-election the other week. You know, it's, it's extraordinary. If, 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 Star, if Starmer can't hold... 
below the waterline, the Tories, right now, he should go. The Labour Party should get rid of him by the weekend. Yeah, he's he dreadful. Cannot, he cannot do the job. You have to argue, though, that that's, that's neither here nor there because doing the job is not what this well, is about. Well, that might not be. That might be true, too. Yeah, yeah because what, what will come into to his place, who will take his place will be another one who will go along with the government and give them a yes. blank cheque to do whatever they want. Um, my pal Peter Rebden, former World Snooker champion, is listening to this. He says, uh, Richard and Fred are spot on, he says, Richie, we don't have politicians of the calibre and moral fibre of Peter Shaw and uh, Tony Benn anymore. No, we don't. Exactly. Even with Thatcher, I mean, I wasn't a fan of Thatcher, but at least you knew what she was about. Do you know what I mean? She sort of said, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and, and, and she pretty much as best she could. She, she stuck to that. And, and I knew that she wasn't my friend. I was, I was skint in the 80s and I had to sign on. So I had to register as no fixed abode, all because of her uh, welfare um, 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 yeah. ch- changes. And so I wasn't a fan at all. But at least I knew what, what my enemy looked like. She was very blunt and she, and, and I didn't mind that in as much as she wasn't pretending to be my friend. Yeah. Um, but now they're, they're just shapeshifters of the, of the highest order. Yeah, I was talking you know, I was in, in the, in the gym near us, there's a, a, a guy who's a Muslim. He's one of the trainers and he's a lovely guy. And I was talking to him about Trump when Trump was prison. And I said, uh, what, what do you think? He said, Oh, I really like him. And I was absolutely stunned. I said, really? You, you like Trump? He said, I, I think Trump's great. So I said, why? And he said, because I know that he hates me. <laughs> right. I know. He makes no bones about it. No, there's <laughs> clarity there. He doesn't try to smooth talk me. He doesn't try to dance around the, the issues. I know that he doesn't like me. And I, for that reason, I, I like him. I respect him because I know who he is and he knows who I am. And I think there's a tendency now with politicians to focus group everything. They don't want to be on the wrong side of anything. They have a, they're pathologically sort of averse to, to, to saying what they truly think about anything. Um, so the, you know, finding politicians of real passion and particularly finding politicians who, who truly understand the people they represent. Ricky Gervais today did a thing uh, to camera and he's right. He said, when, was it that going to Eton was a qualification for le- for running the country? Yeah, it's a great point. When was that? You know, it's ridiculous. So yeah. we, we have to get back to we have to get back to ground. I don't want to sound like <laughs> John Major. We have to get back to basics. We have to get build back. back. We have to build back better. <laughs> we have to build back better. <laughs> really, but you know, in in my opinion, for what it's worth, and my my politics would would be old socialist Bolivarian. Um, you know, I, I, I worship Salvador Allende. He's one of my greatest here. Obviously, I didn't meet him. He died, died many, many, many years ago. Yeah. But um, governments, I've got a great comment from Cookie on the website, which um, is a question about Klaus Schwab, which I'll put to you in a moment. But I, I look at governments and I think, you know, did, did Washington really say this? Did Washington really believe... Um, the founding fathers of America, did they really believe that the government should only be extremely temporary, like farmers, people who work the land, they should come and spend a bit of time in Washington, represent their people, then they should piss off back to the land and let somebody else come and do it. Did he mean yeah. that? That sounds good to me. But for me, I look at governments and I think, keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, nobody should be hungry. Nobody shouldn't. Nobody should be homeless. Nobody should yeah. be hungry and, and yeah. keep the lights on and, and keep the buses and the trains running. And outside of that, stay the fuck out of people's lives. Excuse my I, language. I completely yeah, agree with you. I completely agree. Yeah. The, the trouble is, Richie, is that we, as I said, right from the beginning, um, from, and it goes back years, 
the, the government has increasingly, and, and probably through its sort of uh, conduit health and safety, it has increasingly interfered in the way people lead their lives. And I'm not, I've said this a million times, I feel like I'm being a bit tedious when I say this, but um, I'm in favour of seatbelts. But I think the philosophical reality of seatbelts is that when you buy the car, you buy the space inside it. When we allowed seatbelts to become uh, a lawful requirement, what we did, we allowed the government into our private space to tell us what to do. Yeah. That, that's what philosophically we did. Now, we can say that's a good thing because seatbelts are a good thing, but philosophically, we have to understand that that's what we did. And the minute we did that, we it, it ramped it up, and now we're not even allowed to look at cigarettes in the supermarket. We have little feet on the floor, so you know how to stand when you get your cash out. We are treated like children. Mm. Absolutely. It's, it's ridiculous. Infantilizing. Sorry, Fred, go ahead. There's a friend of ours who's got a, f a furniture shop, and um, about two, th two or three months ago, they ripped up all the stickers on the floor with the arrows. He said, I'm sick of this. So they've taken down all their Perspex stuff and blah, blah, blah. And he was, he was telling us the other day, this lady walked in, and she just stood there. And he said, can I help you? She said, which way do I walk? <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, he, said, uh. yeah, he really wanted to say... Turn around and walk that way because I don't want you in my shop, Bertie. Yeah. But he obviously couldn't. But she, he said it was just remarkable. She she did not know. She couldn't make that decision. Yeah, well, I, there was a, there was a similar situation. Similar situation. A friend on uh, somebody that I know was bought, was shopping with a lawyer, and um, they were there was there was queuing up to to pay, and the lawyer was very specific about standing in the square. Really? Yeah. Go on. And uh, this person said, "What? Do you, we don't have to do this. No. Why, why are you doing?" He said, "I like to be told where to stand." That's just incredible to me. Like like that Twitter thing that went viral. I think I think oh by the way, it's at the Freds on Twitter. Follow yes. at the Freds. Please do that. And rightsaidfred.com. Yeah, it's like that video that went viral of the comedian wearing a high vis jacket telling people to walk over there over there. And they yes. did. <laughs> and they did. Nobody said to him, Who the heck no. are you to be no, telling exactly. me where to walk? Many years ago, there was a, when I was living next door to a hospital, um, in the in the uh, sort of you know the general sort of management office, they had this huge oak table and about fifteen or twenty chairs around this. I mean, it's absolutely massive. Two blokes in white jackets walked in and took the table. And the, the reason <laughs> the reason nobody asked any questions is because they had the white coats on. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with the high-vis jacket. It's exactly the same thing, you know. Where are you um, going with all that stuff? Now, that yeah. might be an alarm that you set because you know that you've got another interview to do at the top of the year. So I'm only going to ask for three and a half minutes more of your time. You've given me plenty okay. anyway. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on. Not kissing your arses, I'm not. I love the two of you, and it's great to have you back on. Thanks, Fred was very kind to come on with me a few years ago when this particular programme was kicking off and it only had about seven listeners. And Fred, <laughs> Fred came on anyway. He didn't say what. Come back to me when you've got. Come back to me when you've got. You know, like a proper show. He was good enough to come on. Cookie, I know it's brilliant. Cookie has this fantastic comment because we talked about Klaus Schwab. Is it yes. true you'll be happy with nothing? She makes an excellent point here. She says, Richie, to be honest, most people don't own anything anyway. Just the thought. Most people, myself included, you know, you, you, mortgages, bills. You know, I'm lucky enough I own my car, but it's an old banger. But most people are, they're in that system where they're paying stuff off. And I suppose the point Cookie is making is it might be very easy for them to say to people, hey, listen, we'll wipe out that debt. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. And I think that for a lot of people that would be very enticing until, of course, they say, now we've, we've decided we, you can't do that as your job. Uh, you're going to go and do this. This is your new job. Yeah. And you can't live there. You've got to live here. And you can't, your kids can't go to that school. They've got to go to, to this school. 
because that's the minute they start, if they did wipe away your debts and put people on, on a universal income, that's exactly what they will eventually do. Yeah. Because if you're being paid by someone, they own you. Well, we were talking to our, we have a Dutch agent and we were talking to him the other day and he was saying that, you know, that, that as a company, they were very lucky because they'd been furloughed and the government were throwing money at them and all that. And I didn't, neither of us said anything, but the thing going through my head was, if that's the case, then they own you. Yeah, they do, yeah. If that's the case, there's no such thing as a free lunch. They will come back and they will either ask for the money back or they will ask for a cut of the company. Mm. It'll be something. There's, they will not walk away from that money. Mm. And um, and people need to understand that the more independence that they give up, the more well, – that's, that's why cash is such a symbol for me. The more they allow the state to have a hand in what they say and do – and the state is not – at the moment, it's not the same as mortgage companies. It's all very separate. But if we're looking at a time when there's a level of interconnectivity between these things, then it will be the state. Then it will be just this one – hub through which all your personal information will go and that's when you will lose your independence and your ability to move around and do as you please and uh we have to absolutely have to hang on to that it's yeah. so important i think what cookie said is absolutely right mm. but the difference is it with some people they could actually make a decision well i'm spending this per month and this per month and i want to downsize i want to get away from some of my responsibilities and my my, you know, my overheads and they can to a degree make that as, 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 a, as a decision for themselves. If you go down the universal income route, you can't. No. You can't. I have a very quick final question. It's a, it's yeah. a silly one. You, you, can, um, you, can, you can laugh at it. But before I do that, I want to say, and I mean it, talking about these things is one thing. When you've got celebrity and you've got names and you're well known, talking about it is, is an even better thing. And thanks on behalf of my listeners for, for doing that, for having the courage to talk about it. Because when you talk about it, be under no illusion. A lot of people will take a second look at it. So thanks for, for doing that. It means a lot to me. It's at the Freds on Twitter. If you're not following the guys already, do it. Um, it's, it always seems to me that you two have an amazing relationship for brothers. I mean, it does, right? It's a special yeah, relationship. Yeah. Um, well, I, I suppose, I suppose the, the tabloid question is, do you ever <laughs> argue about stuff? Do you ever get stuck into one another? Yes, we, do. we do sometimes. We, we do, but we're too old and tired to bother. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you, you kind of start and you think, oh, God, <laughs> I can't be bothered. You I know, haven't got the energy for yeah, a row. We, we, we used to fight a little bit when we were younger, when the band first kicked off. We had, yeah. a, we had a few fist, fisty fights. Um but um, nothing, you know, now I just can't, I just can't be bothered. But also, we actually, we agree on 99% of everything. I mean, the only thing we argue about occasionally is maybe the arrangement of a song or whether we should repeat the intro or whether it's a bar too long. I mean, it's pretty small stuff. But broadly speaking, we enjoy, we, we agree about everything. Actually. How do you resolve that? Sorry, I won't keep it because I know you've got to go. How, right. When you've got an artistic difference about mm. an intro, as you said, or about a chord progression, how yeah. then do you, do you resolve that? Do you take it in turns, like, all right, I got my way last time? How do you do that? <laughs> it, it tends um, to resolve itself yeah. by us meeting in the middle. Yeah. When we both agree on something, it tends for us to be the right, the right decision. So, so we've kind of learned that, and and, and we, we we work very slowly. We're not pro prolific at all. We work pretty slowly, and so we'll sit on an idea for bloody ages, mm. and and. So we, the heat of the moment decision rarely happens. And that's why we stop working with record labels because of their deadlines. We've got to do yeah. this and got to do that. It's not how we work. It's not how we like to live our lives. And also, there's a very, very good, good quote. I can't, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it, it's, it's to do, I think it was back in the day of Oliver, Oliver Cromwell. And it was about 
just imagine, just think for a second that you might possibly be wrong. Fantastic. <laughs> just think for a second you might possibly be wrong. Yeah. And that, um, unfortunately, I don't think artists think that of, of, uh, you know, often enough, and I don't think people do. Experience. And you might have a very strong conviction about something, um, and you just have to think, well, actually, I might be wrong. Ooh. Guys, you know? it's been a pleasure. Merry Christmas to you, and all the best in the world to you in 2022. I hope we'll catch up sometime in I'm the sure new year. Will. Lovely to have you back. Thanks, Richie. We'll probably be sharing a quarantine camp with you. <laughs> God, a gulag summer. Cheers, Fred. Cheers, Richard. Thanks so much. The Freds. At the Freds on Twitter. RightSaidFred.com. Two absolute gentlemen. Lovely to have them back on the programme and uh, to hear that positivity as well. Your comments then. It's eight and a half minutes to the top of the air. Thanks to Richard Kelly. Uh, thank you, Richard. Um, he says, agreed with the Freds. They don't want the money back. Backbeat says, the founding fathers remained altruistic for about five minutes until they realised how much power they had to line their purses and then modified the constitution so much so that it has now been made virtually redundant. Interesting. Hamilton was one of the early adopters of the central banking paradigm and continually bent Washington's ear and argued with Adams and Jefferson. Maybe him dying in a duel was an early example of a black ops's backbeat. Who knows his history? Or horror history could be horror as well. Okay, I don't know. Lucy says, love the Freds. Glad to hear them again. Caroline says, ah, Richie, your documents on the car says you are the keeper. That's right. I don't read those documents. My insurance renewed automatically the other day. Does that happen to you? They let you know like four weeks in advance that you're coming up for renewal. And I keep saying to myself, right, I'll shop around now. I'll go on to internet. I won't use one of those websites that find you the deals. I'll do it myself. That's what I'll do. And I'll try and get a better deal. But if, but of course, just like you, we're all busy. We're all busy. I don't do it. And then I get an email and a text saying, congratulations, your insurance is renewed. Although, to be honest, with my years and years of no claims bonus, my premium isn't very much anyway. I'm not sure I would have saved much money, but I'm a little bit annoyed that I didn't do it. I did do it last year, and I switched last year and got a better deal, but anyway. Joan believes that Ricky Gervais is a paid shill too, because he is pushing the vax. Now, Joan, far be it for me to argue with you. He might very well be pushing the vax, might Gervais, but it is plausible that Gervais has fallen for or believed or does believe what he's being told by his government. I know what you're saying. It's bizarre on the one hand to be so scathingly condemning of the government on, on, on certain things but then believe them about the jobs. But you see, maybe Gervais makes a dif differentiation between the elected, the elected officials and the unelected scientists. Maybe Gervais thinks the scientists are pure, they must be doing the right thing, governments are idiots, I don't know. But I wouldn't imagine he needs the money. I wouldn't imagine he gets paid to promote the jabs knowing that the jabs are dangerous. But, but then again, I might be wrong, you see. Like I've said before, you can fill libraries with the things that I don't know. Alice Cooper says, Robbie says, and he is right, 
Blair was a pupil in the World Economic Forum School for Future Leaders. He was indeed. As are all of the current world leaders, including the unelected head of the European Union, Ursula von der Leyen. Again, there's no arguing with that. He's absolutely bang on. Cookie came back on to ask about a local currency in Bristol. Uh, It's been going for years. Is that still working there? I've come across that over the years. You go to a certain town and you can exchange your own cash for for notes that are exclusive to that particular area or town. I don't know if that's what Cookie is talking about. I remember the Bradbury Pound idea. I also remember some years ago, somebody came on the Richie Allen show and said, why don't we impose a 1% levy on all transactions? At the time, I thought that was a stellar idea. The idea would be that every single transaction, no matter how big or how small, 1% of the funds exchanging hands, 1% and 1% only, would go to the the exchequer. Now I looked at it and I thought, wow, you could make well you could make billions and billions and it would have very little impact on the individual. The one percent levy thing. What do I think about it now? I don't like taxes full stop. Shouldn't be any need for taxation, but anyway, that's just my opinion and I'm sticking with it. Hi to Tom Moore, to Chris Morell, uh hi to uh, to John, hi to Jake, lots and lots of commentary there. Paul says, I hear what the Freds are saying about the music of the dogmatic twats, but you have to disassociate the work from the maker. I always say that if you boycotted anyone who said or did something that you didn't like, you'd have nothing left to enjoy. That's an excellent point by Paul. Are you engaging in cancel culture? If you, not cancel culture, but something like it, if you rip up your Bruce Springsteen LPs, and you say, I'll never listen to him again because Bruce endorses the jabs or because Bruce will not allow fans in unless they've been jabbed. Paul makes a good point. You are eliminating the possibility that Bruce doesn't know any better. And then you're, you're no better than the students who want to kick out the academics because the academics don't believe that sex, biological sex, uh, is binary or something like that. So that's a good point. Uh, hi to Vicky too. I'm done, by the way. Thank you to Blind Joe. BlindJoe.com, what a legend. Merry Christmas, Joe and Leanne. And thanks again to uh, Richard and Fred Fairbrass, otherwise known as Right Said Fred. Their website is rightsaidfred.com and you can find them on Twitter. It is at the Freds. You and me will talk tomorrow. So we will. We will have a phone in. Like I said earlier, I will arrive in studio at five o'clock. Might do a quick run down the headlines, might not. I will then throw open the lines. And look, I'm not going to tell you what to say to me. But it would be nice to reminisce a bit. It would be nice to talk about things, how they used to be. Christmases of yesteryear, Christmases of yore, family and friends, funny things that happened. I don't know. I will have some Christmas tunes and we'll do that. And tomorrow then will be the last show of 2021. Uh, The last Richie Allen show. I will be on air on Christmas Day at 10 o'clock with Christmas Morning Melodies. But I think I said that already too. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Look after yourselves and one another. Speak tomorrow. Bye now.